The views, information, or opinions expressed during the following podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the individuals involved. Hello, and welcome to Pseudo Intellectuals, the podcast where we discuss all things relating to politics, philosophy, culture, and law. I am Abraham Litwin Logan, and today we will be discussing performance enhancing drugs in sports. Morally, should they be allowed? Are there certain sports which PEDs are more acceptable than others? Should there be criminal liability for PED use? Uh, but first, today I'm joined by Harish. How's it going? It's going, Abe. How's it going? Uh, good here. And Michael, how are things? Very good. Thank you very much. As well as Malik, how are you? I'm very good. Thank you for asking. So, Malik, why don't we start the conversation with you? It was your idea to discuss this topic. What made you so interested, first off, in the topic? And has there been any, I guess, um, talk of um, this issue in the media, either you know, right now or in the last few years? Fair enough. Uh, to be completely honest, uh, the idea for this uh, podcast came to me in a discussion I had with another friend. Uh, one of these days, we were discussing the possibility of having uh, so-called super athletes, right, uh, which would be these athletes on uh, performance-enhancing drugs, which would, uh, well, supposedly be able to do these amazing things that currently uh, some of our athletes are not able to do. And I guess there has been a, a lot of media coverage of uh, some recent scandals involving uh, performance enhancers. Uh, one includes the Russia doping scandal. And around 2015, it came to light that Russia was encouraging its athletes to dope themselves in order to perform better. And uh, they were also covering up for their athletes by manipulating test results. An investigation launched by the World Anti-Doping Agency found that Russia was responsible uh, for these acts. Uh, if we dig a little bit further back, we can remember uh, Lance Armstrong and uh, the doping scandal that involved him. It was pretty huge at that time because he was such an iconic uh, figure in the cycling uh, world, right? He was a phenomenon. And it, it was found out that he had been consistently using performance enhancers throughout his career. And that shocked many people. I guess that's why it's important to discuss performance enhance, uh, enhancing drugs, which uh, for those who may not know, uh, can be really any substance that is employed to improve the performance of an athlete. Uh, I guess some common examples include HGH and anabolic steroids. Sure, I think that's a, a good, great place to start our discussion. Um, so I, I guess, uh, Michael, what, what do you think about some uh, these drugs generally? Is this something that we should you know, encourage our athletes to use, or should we, you know, maintain the status quo where, um, at least in, you know, most Western countries, not only are athletes not allowed to use these by their sport federations, but in many cases, these drugs are actually illegal. Looking at it from a purely entertainment standpoint, where I, as a consumer of sports, right, like you, you enjoy watching sports and Increasing the level of competition is always good for anyone who's watching. So I think I'd be more okay with, coming from that point of view, I'd be a, a lot more okay with the idea of athletes using these performance-enhancing drugs because, like the name suggests, their performance would be enhanced. And, you know, I would love to see, like, LeBron James, like how crazy LeBron James could be at basketball if he was on roids, right? But at the same time, I think it's also important to note that because the, there's a reason why they're legal, and one of the big reasons is because it's super unhealthy and it's 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 not good for the athletes' bodies when they use them. So it's a bit difficult for me to 
say from a moral standpoint that I'm willing to allow these athletes like for us to make everything legal and then for these athletes to just go go crazy on the roids and you know just so that I could watch like a night a better game of basketball every once every like a few weeks you know but I don't think I don't I don't think I'd be comfortable saying that yeah I think that's you know a great way to put it um Harish what's what's your opinion generally on the on the subject so um for me I think um as both someone who really enjoys basketball and um, who used to follow the bodybuilding scene fairly regularly, I think it's clear that the the system incentivizes, the, the whole nature of competitive, competitive sports incentivizes people to dope. And that's why you see so many doping cases, especially at the highest levels of athleticism, because the incentives and um, I guess the, the impetus is just so strong, right? So I guess from that standpoint, it seems that um, if it's inevitable that people will start using drugs, perhaps we should start um, regulating and legalizing some of these things instead of outright banning them. However, I do think uh, Michael has a point and I think everyone is in, uh, in agreement that it's really not good for athletes. So not all drugs, I think, can be legalized, but certainly a good number of them uh, can tend towards that direction of uh, regulation and legalization. And and even if we do decide that there are certain drugs which are, you know, performance enhancing and currently are illegal that maybe should be legal because, you know, they don't pose so many health risks and, you know, for some other reasons, should sports federations allow the use of these or should we keep sports in a place where, you know, um, you're not really able to inflate your performance by, you know, taking some sort of, um, drug-related supplement. What do you think, Malik? Introducing performance-enhancing drugs to the, any sport would involve uh, a, a great deal of change within the sport. Perhaps some rules would have to be modifi uh, modified uh, in order to uh, recognize that these athletes are, well, uh, on steroids, right? But I don't necessarily think that sports federations should take the decision to ban performance-enhancing drugs. Because if you see uh, across history, there have been many changes. Uh, technological changes have impacted the performance of athletes already, so they can seem can be seen as uh, performance enhancing technologies, right? So one could say that the introduction of those uh, technologies to the sport changed the game, and I think that for uh, uh, well performance enhancing drugs to be introduced into sport, a similar change would happen. But that whether to introduce uh, those drugs uh, into the sport or not should not be a choice of the federation, uh, but of the athletes themselves. So uh, there are sports unions and unions of athletes, and perhaps there would be best place to take that decision uh, rather than federations. Um, yeah, I think Malik's raised an interesting perspective, which is the idea of um, athletes regulating themselves, right? But I think we'll, we'll still face the same issue. So if um, a majority of athletes come to a consensus of, let's say, legalizing, I don't know, HGH, um, there would still be a group of people who are willing to go beyond that socially agreed upon amount just so they can get the competitive edge. So I don't think, um, I guess that is a panacea in the way that um, we want it to be because it will just fall to the same issues that um, a regulatory body would achieve, which is to say setting a standard and someone reaching that standard because they want to simply win, right? Um, which is why I tend towards more, I guess, legalization of more drugs and in exchange for that, regulating them on a fairly rigorous level. So in terms of testing, regularly identifying, I guess sponsoring more research into these areas as well as finding out exactly what dosages might be efficient. So I think 
um, if you can contextualize it perhaps to the bodybuilding industry, right? Cycling, for example, is um, not exactly extremely well studied in the academic community. I mean, it is, but not to the extent that um, bodybuilders do it. So there's a lot of bro science that goes around and people just sort of say, okay, cycle on and off for eight weeks. And it's really just people throwing numbers out, out of trial and error, right? So um, that that's dangerous because now you don't know what the effects are. And um, young bodybuilders aren't able to make a reason, reasoned assessment of the risk that they're incurring in the future, which is why I think you see um, lots of bodybuilders having health issues at a very young age in their late 40s or early 50s. So I, I, I do think that legalization is the way to go forward. And obviously, there are extreme cases like Synthol, for example, which I think won't um, fall into the benchmark, which I think is just unreasonable to legalize, right? simply because it's just so bad and it's so obvious to identify when someone's on Synthol. But I think um, more often than not, we're going to err on the side of uh, regulation and um, being permissive in general because I think that's the way to go forward and because the incentives are just too strong for people to cheat any system that you put in place. Right. This is very interesting, like, idea of legalization and whether or not the federation or whichever spot you are currently, you know, in at the point in time, whether or not the people who are governing that spot allow the use of that drug. So say, for example, like marijuana is technically a recovery drug. I'm not really sure about the science of it, but I know that uh, that's why they legalized it in the US. And I mean, a great deal of people enjoy smoking weed. So there was a, there's an issue because I think there was a couple of like last year, maybe of two years back, there was an NBA player who was test, tested positive for marijuana, but it's not illegal. It, it wasn't illegal at the point in time in the state that he was in, but he still couldn't play because the federation, like the organization didn't allow him to play because it was still on their list of banned substances. So I think it going forward, it also has to be very, you have to draw a very clear line of what, what the, what the sport allows and what the state allows or the country or wherever you are, I think. I, I think that those are some very good points. Um, and I, I'm sort of curious as to the implications that leaving, you know, the legalization of, you know, certain currently banned substances leaves because like, I mean, if we're being honest, if we, you know, make certain substances legal that currently aren't um, legal, we're going to have many athletes using these substances to get an advantage which means that effectively everybody has to start using these substances for the playing field to, to really be level. And is that something that, you know, we want to encourage not only as a society or, you know, within our, our sports world? Because, you know, I, I think there are really very few substances, if any, that uh, are currently banned that don't have any negative side effects because why would they be banned in the first place? Maybe there's a few, but I, surely this can't be, you know, something so widespread because in reality, you know, I think this would just lead to many athletes all essentially being forced to take these, you know, drugs to, you know, get on a level playing field, which would leave room for a variety of consequences. What do you think about this, Malik? We have to admit that many athletes already do these performance enhancing drugs. And uh, when I say many, it, it does vary from sport to sport. But for example, uh, I'm not sure you all watched the Netflix documentary uh, Icarus on uh, the Russian uh, well, doping scandal. Well, it was widely admitted that in the context of Olympic sports in Russia, uh, doping is very, very, very common. And granted, uh, 
that doping scandal involved uh, a state, so a government. So uh, the government was encouraging its athletes to dope. But uh, I do believe that doping does occur also in a large scale in other countries as well. So by implementing regulation, we would help athletes, uh, well, dope themselves with proper, uh, uh, well, performance enhancing drugs. So drugs that are a bit safer. Because what happens a lot in the moment is that new drugs Drugs that aren't really tested that much are employed because uh, these drugs uh, cannot be detected and cannot be tested by current uh, anti-doping practices. So athletes use these very dangerous uh, new drugs and suffer uh, more side effects and more adverse side effects than they would uh, if uh, performance-enhancing drugs were regulated, uh, as really many substances are. For example, let's think about whey, for example, right? So... uh, I don't think you could really say that whey is a performance uh, enhancing drug, but it is a substance that does enhance uh, one's uh, body mass. So it helps one uh, gain uh, uh, body mass and, and transform it into muscle. Uh, if that would be banned, uh, then many people that use it would not be able to acquire mass as easily. And I don't really see any reason for why it should be banned because, of course, it doesn't have any adverse side effects. If other similar drugs, or well, not similar drugs because whey isn't a drug, but if, if drugs were proven uh, to show a similar effect, I don't see why they, they should be banned if, if they're not really having that adverse side effects. And uh, athletes themselves should be able to choose whether or not to use these drugs. And uh, Abraham is right. Perhaps there would be some pressure, uh, perhaps a lot of pressure even. However, uh, ultimately, uh, the individual does have a, a free will in, in order to exercise the choice of whether to use uh, the substance or not. Um, I think Malik's exactly right. Um, I guess the whey example is an extreme because obviously there's no real side effects to using whey apart from the ordinary side effects from consuming excess protein. But um, I think he's alluding to the reality that most athletes, especially in um, sports that are dominated by PEDs face, which is that they don't really have a choice in the first place. I think the fact that that these drugs are banned is actually a I guess a form of virtue signaling. It is a, I guess, societal condemnation that um, these drugs aren't um, acceptable and therefore we say, no, we don't want these drugs. Rather than it actually being a, um, a fact of reality that these drugs aren't being used, right? Uh, if I could use bodybuilding as an example, it's, virt- it's known everywhere that um, every single athlete who does well in bodybuilding, from Arnold Schwarzenegger to, um, I don't know, Callum Von Morga to... Um, whoever you can think of, right? Every Mr. Olympia has used lots and lots of drugs. Unfortunately, what the what the information gap is now is we don't exactly know what the consequences of taking these drugs in the exact forms that these athletes are taking them in will lead to. So we aren't able, I guess young athletes and athletes are willing to make, uh, willing to get into the industry, unable to make an accurate or reasonable assessment of what the risks are, right? So I guess... Um, if we're faced with this situation and you want to say, let's improve the livelihoods of our athletes, we should at least give them the information to make a more informed decision. So of course, all athletes, especially in PED-dominated industries, would not have a choice, regardless of whether these drugs are legal or illegal, right? Because in practice, they're always used. The question is, can we give them a more informed choice of whether or not they want to get into the sport in the first place? I'm going to ask a question to all of you right now. And that question revolves on uh, an example I brought early on uh, during this podcast, and that is Lance Armstrong. Do you guys believe that there was any problem with uh, Lance Armstrong? Did he do anything morally uh, unacceptable? Because, of course, uh, before anyone knew that he was involved in doping, people admired him. People said that uh, this man 
was uh, incredible. And one could say all was well because uh, there was that element of ignorance. But once the uh, doping allegations came out, uh, people started shunning him. Uh, why is that? Uh, Michael, maybe you want to start? Okay, I'm just going to first off say that Lance Armstrong like, took the fall for the entire cycling community because when you go and look at how many people got tested, how many people tested positive, like the next like 12 other guys also tested positive for maybe not the same amount, but they were also on, on some sort of, some form of steroids that was illegal, right? So, like, technically, Lance Armstrong, the roided up guy, beat the other roided up guys. So how is that unfair, right? You can't say that, like, oh, you know, like, he's the only one who's cheating and he won, and therefore, you know, like, he's a horrible person and whatnot. He simply, the way I see it is, he simply did what he had to do to get to the next level, right? And if everybody else on that list was also taking roids, like, I'm not really sure of the number, but I know a significant amount of those people were taking rides in the top 10 and, a, and like who competed at the Tour de France at a, at a point in time, right? They also tested positive. So if it's a culture in or a community in which where you know other people are also taking rides, then I don't see why that's such a big of an issue, right? And also, I, I really don't understand why people are upset about it in the first place because... You enjoy watching him go up and down the those hills, right? Like cycling up and down those hills. As as a as, as a viewer, I know that no matter how hard I train, I could probably like I I there isn't time there isn't enough time in my life for me to get to that stage of cycling where I could do it, right? I just wanted to watch somebody else do it and be like, wow, you know, he cycles so well, he's so fast. And so what if he's on roids? Like I, I don't understand. Does it take like does it take any viewing pleasure away from it? Like what what would it, like I, I I really don't get it. Like to me, I was completely fine with it, and I w- will probably still be completely fine with it. And I don't see why we should we should limit our athletes in that way. I guess. I mean, I, I really disagree with all of you, to be honest. Um, I I don't know. For me, it just seems that. Okay, sure. If Lance Armstrong wanted to come, you know, first and win so many Tour de France's and you know, all these cycling competitions, you're right. He he did have to take, you know, EPO and the other things he was taking, just because so many other people were taking it. But it's not like everyone was, you know, doping. There were, you know, plenty of cyclists that weren't doping, and maybe those cyclists would have been the people, you know, coming first, coming third, coming eighth, right? Instead of coming, you know. 13th, 27th, and, you know, 90th or whatever, because other people were cheating. It creates an unfair playing field in the first place. And it's dangerous because what does this say to young athletes? It says, oh, if you want to be, you know, at the, the, the top echelons of our sport, you better start doping because it's the only way you're going to be able to compete. And if we give athletes the choice, it's not really a choice because if you're, you want to be a professional athlete, all professional athletes want to be, you know, at the very top, you know, of their sport, obviously. And if, you know, you're allowed to dope and it obviously helps your performance, everybody's going to, every athlete's going to be doping. And I, I don't think it's enough just to say, sure, this, you know, maybe would even make it more fun to watch because they'll be cycling faster or, you know, they'll be kicking the ball harder. But, you know, these are, you know, real people with, you know, individual lives and, you know, there are serious health consequences to, you know, almost all doping. And even for people who aren't professional athletes, but, you know, young children who look up to these athletes and maybe, you know, cycle for fun or 
play soccer competitively, but they're not going to be a professional soccer player. I don't think they're going to see that there's anything wrong with taking these drugs and then they'll start. And then we have, you know, a cascading effect of, you know, tons of negative health consequences. So, I mean, I guess that's generally why I don't think athletes should be able, um, you know, to choose to use these drugs. Rather, I think probably the best thing would be for it to be legal, um, but not to be um, allowed under, you know, um, the rules of sporting bodies, whether this is through the federations or this is through, you know, um, unions for sports. That's sort of my position. I, I can see it differs from most of you. Um, Abe, I guess, I guess I'm with you in the sense that it's not fair for Lance Armstrong to be doping when there are athletes in the system who aren't who are following the rules, right? So I'm not, I, I don't think uh, Lance's victories, I mean, I guess they're impressive, but they're impressive on the basis of him taking drugs. So I guess it diminishes the, the, the intrinsic value of his achievement. But that's not the point that we're arguing with, right? We're saying on a, I guess, um, on the scale of the sport itself, right? We're saying, um, let's legalize it and let's let's let people have the choice to do it. And I agree with you that they won't have a choice because they in effect have to compete with people who are taking these drugs. But I guess where we're differing is the fact that people already take these drugs means that the, the choice doesn't exist already. So we're trying to fix an already broken system. And therefore, what we're saying is um, it's already broken. Let's try and make it better by giving people more information to make the decision. And in regards to, I guess, your point about young children, I think it's a valid point and it's true that we'll be signaling to young children, hey, if you do want to get on these uh, on these like playing levels, you have to do these things, right? But it's not unlike any other sacrifice. I mean, I guess it is worse in the sense that there are long-term consequences. And I'm not disagreeing there, right? But it's the same thing with football, right? Football has long-term consequences. It's been heavily studied, for example, that... Um, Athletes suffer, suffer from lots of head trauma and that causes lots of issues later on in life, which is why we see so many suicides from former NFL players. And um, I guess the, the question becomes, what can we do with all this? Can we give better choice to individuals? So I think the solution is regulation in some form. And it, it's not untrammeled like um, use utility, right? You can't let children from like the age of five start using drugs. I don't think that's the solution. But I certainly think at some point we have to let individuals decide on the basis of good information. Michael, do you want to add on to something as well? Yeah, like I think Harish kind of alluded to what I wanted to say about like football and the hit trauma related stuff is that every sport that we watch on a pro level is inherently already risky, right? Like F1 is risky. You're driving around cars at that speed. Like if you like, you know, there's very high chance that you could die. Right. Or like, like almost any sport that you've watched, like contact sport, and you've seen like horrible injuries in like basketball, in football, right? Like you, they already acknowledge that risk, right? So like you could break a leg and, or you could hit your head and you would live forever with this horrible injury. It's something that it's, 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 it's something that you signed up for, right? If you didn't want to get injured, like you could go and play golf, right? Like it's, it's unfair for, I, I feel at least it's kind of unfair to say that, oh, you know, um, it makes this, it's risky, therefore we should not allow it. Then if you take that argument and you plot it on any sort of contact spot, then it, it, just, it just doesn't work because then we just wouldn't have like professional football, a professional football as a sport because, you know, it's so risky and, you know, what, why, why are we making people do these things? Like, you know, they have no choice because that's the only way that they're going to make money. 
and you're signing them up for you know horrible injuries in the future and then they you know like I, I really don't see I really don't see why that's an issue. Okay, first with Harish, I'm really surprised you're making such an argument because your argument, like the crux of it comes down to there's already PED use, so you know, some more of it, you know, can't be that bad if we're being honest. That seems to me that's the argument. But first of all, PED use has gone down dramatically, you know, over the past like decades when it was something which, you know, um, different, it was mostly steroids, but it was, you know, extremely common. Now with, you know, testing systems and, you know, regulation, sure, we still have scandals, but, you know, there's scandals because it's seen as, you know, relatively uncommon. That's why the Russia scandal you know, at least partially was such a big deal. And just because we have, you know, some PED use, it doesn't mean we need to uh, make it, you know, more common or we need to uh, allow it to happen more often. It, rather, the argument should be because we have some PED use, we should, you know, enforce more strict regulation and get rid of it totally. And I don't think that really makes that much sense. And then with Michael, Sure, we let athletes, you know, um, play football. We let them, you know, box and, you know, take all these risks. But a lot of sports is about risk mitigation. So you're forced to wear a, a helmet when you play football. You're forced to wear these pads because you're trying to, you know, help people as much as possible from, you know, putting themselves at more risk than they have to. You know, in, in boxing, you know, you're forced to wear gloves instead of, you know, just using your bare bare knuckles, you're 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 mitigating this risk through regulation, and um, I don't really see how it's any different with drugs. Take for example mixed martial arts or boxing. You know, sports where um, having a little more power in my punch because I'm taking steroids. You know, well, I wouldn't say kill somebody, but could you know take someone's memories away, right? I mean, how can you defend that out of, you know, the viewing pleasure of, you know, a bunch of people eating popcorn and chips uh, at home, seeing it on their TV? It seems, you know, a little, a little unfair to me. Um, I guess the way I'd respond is, firstly, I think um, it's true that steroid use is going down in most sports. But I think, um, I guess my perspective is sort of clouded or at least influenced by the fact that uh, my experience it has been in both basketball and bodybuilding. Um, in basketball, certainly the use of um, PEDs isn't as common as um, in bodybuilding, for example. But I think bodybuilding is fairly accessible to the masses, and therefore the issue of influencing our youth still comes up. I guess risk mitigation is certainly a concern, which is why I think if we want to protect all athletes, including the ones that are willing to, I guess, um, like put their lives on the line, then we should acknowledge the fact that these risks undoubtedly exist and that the incentives are so strong that there's bound to be people who cheat, right? And therefore, the only way to, I guess, mitigate that is to make sure that we're able to regulate their use instead of merely saying, hey, we're going to ban it, we're going to test AMPs in these ways, right? Because I think, um, I guess it's true that you can get stricter with testing. And um, the thing is, right, the incentives are just so strong that people are bound to always circumnavigate those um, testing methods and uh, I guess take different steps to achieve similar results. And I guess that's why I think that regulation is a means to mitigate those risks as opposed to, I, it's sort of two different ways of going about it. 
Um, and I guess another question that underlies this broad question of PEDs, right, is an even broader question about the nature of sport and whether we should be condoning it or we should be, um, I guess, uh, doing away with it. And instead of, like, I guess, um, celebrating when someone wins an MMA fight, is that really justified? Um, I'm not sure that that's the focus of the conversation, right? Because if that, if, if that were true, then we shouldn't allow any sports. And um, I, I, I don't know. I, I guess it's hard... I guess it's hard to go along the same line of reasoning and say, for example, um, it's okay for us to use boxing gloves as opposed to like bare fists or I don't know, fists loaded with uh, gloves loaded with metal, um, and then say, okay, some types of PEDs are just bad just because they have some health risks in the future. So, um, I guess to me, it seems like the same argument can be applied on lots of different contact spots in which there's inherent risk involved, and we should just take away that aspect entirely. Yeah, I'm not sure if I really buy that. Um, I mean, with like, okay, if if for example we took a survey of um, American football players and you know a majority or a bunch of them said we should allow you know eye poking or something like that or you know kicking people in the nuts, right? Is that something we should do just because? you know, um, athletes are, you know, willing to like accept this because maybe they think it'll improve their game. I mean, there's like some, you know, really, really serious risks to, um, like performance enhancing drugs. I think over the last decade or two, something like 25 or 30 cyclists have died from EPO use, which is, you know, a performance enhancing drug. And obviously there's, you know, thousands of cyclists, but, you know, still, I mean, I guess I'm more interested in weeding out the, 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 the few people left, maybe not in bodybuilding. I don't know anything about bodybuilding. Harish, I actually think you're the first person I've ever talked to that follows bodybuilding. So that's, that's pretty neat. But I oh, mean, I it's pretty, it's a pretty interesting spot. You should watch really? it. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll just finish up by saying like, I'm more interested in making, um, the playing field accessible to everyone without having to put their health at further risk than it already is put into by the sport itself than I am in creating an avenue um, which would essentially force athletes to all of them to accept this, you know, higher risk by taking steroids and EPOs and stuff like that. Well, I'm going to jump in right now and I'll say that I agree with some aspects of what Abraham said. And I guess that aspect is in relation to uh, minors and minors should be protected. But the reason I feel they should be protected is because they are uh, very easily influenceable, right? So that, uh, of course, underage users should not be able to utilize uh, performance enhancer uh, drugs because they may have detrimental effects in their development, but also they're not ready to make such a big choice. But once you come of age, you have to make many decisions in your life. One of them could be utilizing performance enhancing drugs or not. And Abraham, you are uh, a libertarian, right? So I I feel very confused in regards to your stance uh, in this topic because you you defend it so ardently, uh, MMA. And MMA does have uh, the possibility of causing long-term effects to uh, the practitioners. Uh, And it's a risk that they willingly take. And you'd say that they're pressured uh, into taking that choice because uh, MMA uh, offers them an, an escape. Perhaps it's uh, because of social mobility or for other reasons. But why would you MMA be acceptable and not the using of regulated performance enhancing drugs? So, of course, you're not talking about these drugs that are uh, 
pretty much guarantee that you're going to have a pretty awful uh, life down the line. But some drugs that are regulated. And of course, you can say that very small amount of drugs have very little to no side effects. That's because there hasn't been enough research into that area. And perhaps uh, if it was more research uh, because these performance enhancing drugs would be legal, uh, well, then we would find more alternatives uh, to keep our athletes safe. Um, let me just jump in and I guess sort of offer a defense of Abe's point, right? So I think what's, what Abe is alluding to is the fact that there's some, I guess, aspects of the sport that are intrinsic to the sport. And there's some aspects that simply, um, I guess, can be viewed as giving an unfair advantage, right? So I think um, it is generally accepted, for example, that your natural body built and things that you just naturally are born with are natural advantages and so that's acceptable. And at the same time, there are also inherent risks that are associated with some sports and that's just the nature of the sport. Um, and so we are already, I guess, working with um, a sport that's risky. Do we really want to make it more risky? I guess is the question. And I guess Abe's erring on the side of we shouldn't make it more risky. And he's also alluding to the fact that um, sports are not only, I guess, um, arenas of entertainment, right? They're also something that people do on a regular basis. And these athletes form, I guess, the pinnacle of what the sport is supposed to represent. So we're sort of polluting that image and making it less accessible. And therefore, uh, I, I guess I can see where Abe's coming from, right? But to me, it's like, um, I guess I'm, I'm seeing the converse of the argument, which is our athletes are already unsafe and testing will, will just inevitably breed into um, opportunities for other people to find circumventions around these testing mechanisms. And... Um, I guess it all comes down to what you're valuing more, right? I, is it really necessary to protect the intrinsic value of the sport? And I guess for some people, I, 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 I guess that value might be even greater than um, protecting athletes. And or maybe it's not about protecting athletes, but rather it's just about making sure that yeah, the sport is accessible and we're taking reasonable precautions to protect our athletes. I guess for me, it's um, recognizing that there's an intrinsic flaw and aligning incentives so that um, we're able to better protect athletes who do take on these risks in order to become the best version of themselves and the best um, version of the sport that they can be. Okay, Malik, first off, I like I would say I'm pretty libertarian, but I, I and that's why I don't think these drugs should be um, illegal, you know, um, in terms of like the law. But I think they should be regulated by, you know, sports federations and that sort of thing, because I, I don't really think this is a question of free choice. And this is what irks me most about like the subject is that if, you know, you condone this behavior and you allow it, like I've said, like so many times, it, it doesn't really create a choice for professional athletes. It forces them to, you know, take steroids, to take whatever drugs you allow. And I honestly don't really buy the notion that there's, you know, all these drugs which are currently illegal, which, you know, have no negative side effects and they can increase performance. I don't really think those, maybe there's a few, but I don't think this is like, you know, it's most of these drugs or like many of the, the ones currently being illegally taken um, by athletes. And I guess to put it somewhat pedantic, pedantically, I'm, I'm more concerned about a 19-year-old athlete's, you know, likelihood to develop blood clots, likelihood to have, you know, 
um, infertility, likelihood to have a heart attack, likelihood to die, you know, early than I am with seeing him, you know, ride his bicycle a little faster or kick the soccer ball a little bit harder or, you know, tackle somebody uh, with a little bit more force. I'm, you know, a lot more concerned for these, you know, people as individual, you know, human beings. And, you know, I, I, I like watching sports, but it's not like I need, like, uh, I, I personally would feel, I, I, I would enjoy watching sports more, knowing that, you know, people aren't getting these unfair advantages and putting themselves and their health at higher risk than they need to put it at. Um, than I would knowing that everybody's, you know, taking these drugs so I can see, you know, the sport be, I guess, a little bit more competitive or be competitive at a higher level. Uh, I'll be completely honest with you. I'm a big fan of sports. I enjoy it a lot, but I don't necessarily have a wish to see uh, athletes be competing more. I, I do believe that people should have the option to use performance enhancing drugs. So I, I do disagree with you and that they have no choice. Hold on. that. In reality, it wouldn't be a choice if this thing is, if these things are allowed, because everybody would have to take it if they want to, you know, compete at a professional level. Well, take a look at Lance Armstrong. He did win a lot, but he didn't win everything that he competed at. So there is an example that perhaps the steroids, or well, they certainly did help him a lot, but uh, you are able to compete with them. And an alternative would be the following. You have like two separate leagues, a, a leagues for people that do not use performance enhancing drugs and a league for people that do. And in that case, you would have uh, the option of, of, of enjoying sports either way. And you brought up the analogy of the 19-year-old uh, cyclist uh, pumping uh, steroids uh, in, into their veins, right? But what's the difference between this 19-year-old uh, athlete getting pounded on his face by an, an, another athlete and getting a permanent brain trauma because of that? I mean, I don't really see much of a difference. Uh, I don't think you can draw a distinction between both, which is why I'm able to safely uh, agree with MMA because I believe that it is a choice. And I, I, I do believe that perhaps it's not as a free of a choice as you would have in this ideal world where everybody can just do whatever they want, right? But I do think it's a free enough choice. So it's a matter of degree. You're right. If we uh, do legalize uh, performance enhancing drugs, there would be an added pressure to uh, inject those substances. However, if we also at the same time introduce, for example, uh, the idea of a, of, a, of a league for people without performance enhancing drugs, well, then there'll be a choice, right? Whether or not uh, to inject yourself with those performance enhancing drugs. Um, let me just jump in and I guess not exactly pile on to uh, Malik's point, but I guess point out the effect of uh, what you're proposing, Abe. So I guess what your suggestion is, is as a libertarian, we shouldn't... Um, like ban the drugs as a matter of law but we should prevent sports organizations which are well recognized from um allowing these drugs in their athletes who are competing right i guess the effect of this would be we create a system in which there are some athletes that will compete within these regulated agencies and then there'd be athletes who would take these drugs and then would compete outside and possibly create a new agency and that's when you i guess you get a bifurcation in terms of like um the the the, the models that athletes pursue right so you have a league that's for natural athletes and then you have a league for performance enhanced athletes but the thing is that that already happens in bodybuilding but who do you think um people look up to they don't look up to the natural bodybuilders the natural bodybuilders are often overlooked 
who who do they look at? They look at the Arnold Schwarzeneggers. They look at the Callum von Morgers of the world because those are the quintessential bodybuilding athletes. They are the, I guess, they are emblematized as the as the ideal version of the sport, right? And I think that's natural to happen in a system that uh, that both allows PEDs to be used and at the same time regulates it from a regulatory standpoint in terms of the sports associations regulating them. I don't know. I just don't want MMA fighters being able to bring baseball bats into cages because both fighters agree. I don't think soccer players should be well, able to bring sports on the field if, if both teams agree. Well, I, we do have a criminal uh, justice system, right? So, I mean, many of the things that... Uh, the comparisons, right? They don't really hold up to scrutiny because I, I do agree with you. I think it would be ludicrous if I could just pull up a gun and like in a football field and then basically just shoot everyone in my path instead of dribbling towards the goal. Uh, and even if they agree to that, I'd be able to do it because I mean, I'd be committing multiple offenses. So I agree with you. Well, it's, it's the same with why you can't bring swords onto the soccer field just because there's a law that prevents you stabbing your opponent. It's the same. You can remove the legal framework. You're just advocating for uh, removing laws. And it's oh, not yeah. an comparison, I think. All right. Uh, okay, I'm, 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 I'm going to try to pull it back here, right? Because this could go on forever. But I think what Malik suggested, going back to what Malik suggested of having like two uh, two leagues and how Harish responded to that, like it does really make sense is that people will eventually watch one over the other because, I mean, it's it's all about like like I said it's all about entertainment right and if you're doing the sport at a high level then other people aren't and obviously I'm gonna to want to watch you because that's the whole part of me wanting to watch the sport in the first place I think it's important to remember where it's coming from and it's because like it's about it really is about safety right and we currently steroids are not researched and we don't have access to them at a certain level at which we can safely say that you know you can take this forever and you you will be okay right. I do think that if they were made legal, it would help in terms of uh, about the amount of research we get on it. And also, I think it's very important to note that like, uh, so in terms of bodybuilding, right, the drug only stays in your system for a certain amount of time. And the competition testing sometimes begins, you know, like, three months before so then you could just take roids for like nine months and then you know stop taking them and then you wouldn't you, you wouldn't test positive for it right so i think it's very important to remember like like that if there are certain ways around the system that's kind of where ours is coming from is that it's very difficult for us to regulate and to make sure that that these guys aren't taking what we don't stuff that we don't want them to take Right. So I think it's a lot easier for us to just be like, okay, these are the things you can take. Right. And these are the things that you can't. Right. So then at least it disincentivizes people from taking the stuff that they, that is, we know it's definitely bad, like symptom, right? Like it's definitely bad. You should never take it. Right. And as, as opposed to something that's not as bad, but does have some mild side effects, because if I'm going to get disqualified for taking steroids anyway, I'm going to take the, like the most dangerous best steroid you know like if we assume that the most the best steroid is the most dangerous steroid i'm going to be taking that one because it doesn't matter on there there is no scale right it's just a hard line of if you take anything past this line you're out right and if i'm going to be out if i'm going to get caught for it like and i'll be disqualified anyway 
I'm just going to go crazy because if I don't get caught, I know for sure I will win, right? Whereas if you you had a scale in which you were like, okay, you know, some stuff you can, some stuff you can't, then it's this incentivizes, it, it turns people away from the stuff that you definitely know is bad. So I think that's like, that's one way to look at it. And I definitely don't think you should be able to start like beating on people or like killing people on a, on a football field. Like that's just crazy. Um, just to jump in, right? I, I think uh, Michael and Abe and Malik have all made really good points both for and against. I guess one interesting idea to sort of experiment with is maybe this idea of um, regulating drugs that are easier to regulate or at least banning drugs that are easier to regulate and then um, being more liberal with drugs that are harder to regulate. So what I mean by that is if we go back to um, Michael's example of being able to cycle off of drugs, um, I guess not regulating that but not banning that outright. Whereas with Synthol, I think it's quite easily detectable on a visual metric as well as just like looking at them and like analyzing their bodies. So it would be easier for us to regulate those things. And I guess that that could be an easy compromise to make sure that um, we're both trying our best to protect our athletes while making sure that the most egregious forms of uh, steroid abuse aren't, or at least PED abuse isn't being used. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I agree with that either, but that's okay. Um, anyways, I think we had a quite an interesting discussion. And I think, frankly, part of our disagreement comes from the sports we as individuals watch. Um, because obviously if, you know, people are using performance enhancing drugs in bodybuilding, it's a lot less, you know, harmful to other people, um, than if people are using it in mixed martial arts. Right. And I think maybe that forms part of our opinions on the topic. Nevertheless, it was a very interesting discussion and thank you, Malik, for, you know, suggesting the topic. Um, so to our listeners, I hope you enjoyed us sort of veering from our normal political and philosophy sort of talk. Um, we know you liked our the last time we did this when we discussed aliens. Um, so so we hope you like this one similarly. Um, so again, thank you for joining us, Malik. Um, thank you, Harish, and thank you, Michael. Just a few notes for our listeners before we go. If you're a fan of the show or just enjoyed today's episode, uh, please leave us a rating or review in the podcast store or tell a friend about us. To stay up to date, make sure to subscribe to the show. You can also reach out to us on Twitter at pseudointpod, follow us on Instagram at pseudointellectualspod, or like our page on Facebook, also at pseudointellectualspod. Uh, thank you very much for listening, and you'll hear from us again soon.